Okay, welcome back to our podcast. This is episode two. We still don't have a name, but uh, I'm Kevin. We're here with Caleb and Chad, and this time we are joined by Pastor Justin Hill. He wasn't here last week, but he's going to be another big name on this deal. It's so much more awkward when you're not the one doing the intro. (laughs) (laughs) Greetings. Hi, guys. Greetings to the No Name podcast. And... It's an honor to be with you fine gentlemen tonight and uh, breaking bread together. <laughs> I'm already hungry. How's your day been? Uh, I had a really busy day. My boss has been out for six weeks. She had surgery and she came back today unexpectedly. We plan on her to come back tomorrow, but she came back today. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm really glad that she's back because we have a lot of patients in our clinic and she helps spread it a little bit more so that I'm not running around like a chicken with my head cut off. I feel like that was probably strategic on her part too, huh? Oh yeah, she wanted to make sure. You know, they say when the cat's away, the mice will play, so she wanted to see if she could catch some mice. Oh, my goodness. I have too much going on. We've got so many houses going on right now. It's absolutely unreal. As you can see, there's one of them right behind you. Is that you over there? All these are. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I asked him about that last week, and he said all of the houses except the first three when you turn on the street are his. Mm -hmm. Man, so you just live around your work. Yeah. You don't even get to leave it at work. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just to look out the window and see. And, see and the neighbors drive by and see my house and wave, hey. Thanks for building my house, you know. I or if they it. need something. Mm-hmm. They know exactly where to find me. Wow. One day we were, <laughs> so we still don't have blinds because I like the natural light. And, uh, <clears throat> and we were sitting there one Saturday during the, at the beginning of summer, uh, we counted 30 cars dropping by that didn't live here, just rolling through the neighborhood. And so they slow down, and they look, and they start take take pictures of the house. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so pretty. And so one day I got fed up with it. I'm like, oh, my, the next person that drives through here, I'm moaning. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> giving it to them. <laughs> and but I didn't. I was just fed up with it. And then so one one car park drives by and parks and is sitting there looking at the house. I couldn't see who it was. But I just stare I just stand in the window and I start waving. Waving like uh Rain Man or Forrest Gump when he's still on that dock. Yeah. And then turns out it was uh Kevin Thomas and his wife. Oh wow. <laughs> I was like, I'm glad I didn't know them. <laughs> <laughs> Because they told me about it later. They're like, you, that was us you were waving at. Did you go to church with them? I did not know. But I know, I know them through work. No. Yeah, it would have been awkward to moon somebody to go to church with. Talk about mooning. Let's just go ahead and talk about some. Oh. Did he Got say mooning? mooning? Yeah, moon them. He said he was going to moon them. I thought what? he said moaning like complaining. No, moon them. Moon. Oh, Cheek, wow. Cheeks to the window. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. But I was just going to put it. He was tempted to. Tempted. So, my grandpa um, was a tent evangelist. Went and did tent revivals all over the place. 
and, and and so how you would do it was nowadays most of the time a church will schedule you and you come but Pop would just pick a city mm-hmm. go there pass out flyers for a week put the tent up and have church and who came would come and he was very successful for years in fact my dad most of his life grew up um, he'll tell you he, last day of school Pop and then would pick them up, and it would be the week before they started school the next year before they would come back home. And they'd just spend their summer uh, revivals, tent revivals. And there was this one uh, occasion where they were having a tent revival, and, and, and in those revivals, man, they would see miracles. You know, we talk about miracles, signs, wonders. And it's a good preaching thing. I believe that they're real. I believe that they're for today. But we need to we need to pray and see them more often uh, than we do. And so under the tent they saw them. And so the tent would be filled with people. And he tells the story of one night he was preaching, and and the tent was full of people. And these teenage boys were driving up down the street, and when they would come by. They would roll their window down and moon any oh, <laughs> moon the gosh. entire tent while he was preaching. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, Lord bless him. And the only person who could see it, because where the street was, the only person who could see it was him preaching. The, the rest of the oh, people couldn't no. see because their backs were turned. You know? I absolutely <laughs> wonder how he kept his composure. <laughs> that's an attack of the enemy. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right. Darkness is showing up. <laughs> that's the devil. That's the... Get me behind me, Satan. <laughs> not that far behind. No, no not that far behind. <laughs> not, not that part of your behind. Well, Caleb, how was your day? Man? We've all talked. <laughs> I had an interesting day. So check this out. I get to take somebody to their house today for, for my boss. I had never met this person. Total, complete stranger. And I'm awkward as it is when meeting new people. And he lives in like, he's a 42 minute drive from, from my house place. I mean, not my house place, from my job. And we get in the truck, and richly for the past 20 minutes, nothing was said. I didn't even have the radio on. So you just rode in a I just rode silence complete with, with no one, somebody, you have no idea who's there. Yeah. <laughs> you just staring at the side of your head. <laughs> <laughs> but. <laughs> But as soon as I turned the radio on, he gets on me. He said, turn it down. I was like, okay. Is what? He, yeah, he said, I don't like music. <laughs> I was like, what? what? I don't like music. Uh, I don't like, breathe I'm sorry. air. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And you turned it down? Oh, I turned it off. <laughs> I'm sorry, you'd yeah. rather listen to me breathing? What's wrong with you? But I finally broke, finally broke it. I said, do you like deer hunting? And all of a sudden, he's just talks about how many deer he's shooting. I said, finally, we're getting somewhere. For the past 20 minutes, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone. Twilight zone. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I've never met this person. I mean, can't listen to music. I'm like, oh, God. I'm like, I feel like he's going to hurt me. I can't listen to music in my own car. <laughs> no, no, and, the, and the funny part is, I don't know where he lives. I use my GPS, and I take the fastest route. Mm-hmm. I try to take, but he don't like that. Oh, no. He, yeah, he wants me to take the long route, the route he takes. And we take that route. I could have been there in 39 minutes. 
But he made it in there. 38. But <laughs> we'd get there in 45. I'm going to tell you what, brother. I was going to be there in 25 minutes. Yeah. You might not like music, but I like the speed, brother. <laughs> and, you know, I well, no, I'm not going to get to it. I love this. I, I, I drive a little quick, but that's the company truck. I can't do that, too. I used to not. I used to drive like a grandpa, you know. But now I'm so busy all day, every day, mm. that I'm just... Now, I used to drive slow and not have road rage as bad, but now I drive a whole lot faster because I got places to be. Mm-hmm. And now I get a whole lot more irritated on the road. Yeah, that, that's how I was. And after that was over, it gets even better. It turns, I mean, we're, for the past week or two, we've been doing duck work at my boss's house. At my boss's house. And... It was, it's not fun. I got about this much leg room. And I can't stand. And I'm not I'm not good in tight places as it is. I've been called Fernand in, in tight places. Yeah, we covered that uh, last podcast mm-hmm. when you told us that your dad calls you Ferdinand. Oh. Yeah. And it's concrete. And I got no knee pads. And my knees have been sore for the past week or two. What do you do? HVAC work again? Yeah. And we're hanging duck work under his house. Mm. I get stuff. In- <laughs> <laughs> sound like about one of those old homes. Got to crawl up under. Yeah, crawl spaces. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I used to do crawl space work. And <clears throat> I went underneath his house to do some waterproofing. They didn't tell us. Because the salesmen, they go in and quote the jobs, they didn't look under the house. They just measured the outside of the house and quoted it by the square footage. We go into there, there's been a leak under this house for 10 years. Oh. The entire crawl space is flooded. Scuba dive. Oh, no. <laughs> there's oh, no. wet insulation mm-hmm. all over the ground, mold. Yeah. Asbestos. Asbestos. Yes, that's it. Mesothelioma. The reason why we didn't is you were someone who suffered from mesothelioma and diabetes. Man, I I did electric work. I I did I went for an electrical company. I started when I was seventeen. I was a junior in high school. I'd get out of school, go to work for um, Masters Electric. May have heard of them. Um, and so I'd work a couple day, a couple hours after school, and go home, go to school, do the same thing. Finally, when I got out of school, I, I went and did uh, full time, and they let me run a service van, mm-hmm. and and that that was I was much smaller than I am now. That was my job. Any house, the old homes in Memphis, that was, I mean, you'd have to crawl under there, and I, ooh, I don't. Enjoy that because I'm claustrophobic, number one. Mm. And then secondly, you don't know what if I can get under there. And it's what else is under there? I mean, I went under there. Thank God I've never, I have never encountered a live rodent. Mm-hmm. I have. But I have, I remember working under a house, you know, and, and just smelling something dead. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, mm, yeah, it's under here. And, then, and roll over and be like, because you're crawling, and so you kind of just roll over and you're, you've got a light <laughs> on your head, you know, one of those hat lights or whatever, and 
squirrel that's half decomposed is right here. Is the man. Uh, I, I enjoyed the adventure, but uh, I don't miss it. Did you ever get a feel something crawling on you and it's just wet mm. and you you feel it and it's a snail like a water slug no. is on the back of your neck? No, I can't do that. I've had a spider. Can't do that. Snakes. Yeah. <clears throat> um. I would rather be in an attic in the summertime yeah. than yeah. to go into cross spaces. We had to dig two foot by two foot by two foot holes underneath houses. To get in there? No, to put in sump pumps. We have to waterproof the entirety of the, of the cross space and then put a sump pump in there two foot by two foot by two foot and then put the sump pump in there and then fill it full of gravel. Or... To level the floors, floor joists, dig a two foot by two foot by two foot hole in any part of the house that's sagging, and then fill that hole full of gravel, put a base plate down, inject the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're talking about miserable. Fifteen dollars an hour. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> done. No, thank you. I'm good, bud. Don't miss it. I don't miss crawling the homes. I, I enjoyed the electrical work. Mm-hmm. I really did. I wish I would have. I wish I would have continued on the journey of getting my, I guess, credentials. Mm-hmm. Whatever you call it, license, license, license. Uh, they were. I was going to school at night, and then I quit. I quit because I went into ministry, travel ministry. Mm-hmm. And somebody should have told me at 18 years old, you, that'll come in with this time. You need to get your education and get you something to do trade-wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen to that advice. Oh, you young people out there. I tell you what, if I could go back and do something other than what I'm doing now, it would definitely be some sort of trade. Um, I think like welding or something like that. You know, welding? Welders are a dime um, a dozen. My wife's got family members that went into, uh, what are you, linemen, linemen mm-hmm. school. Yeah, linemen are dangerous. Uh, there's like, if you count it up, it's like 35 linemen die every day. Really? Really, yeah. Well, I mean, that's high voltage. Yeah, they forget to turn the, the lines on or somebody tells them to turn the line on and they're still working on it. Zap, done. So being a welder is like oversaturated. There's a lot of them. There's a ton of welders. But, I mean, the best money you're going to make being a welder is in the northeast or on the coast at all. Like underwater welding. Underwater welding is the best money you're going to find. Or working for pressure tanks. Um, But you have to work as a grunt there for years because they only allow the highest, most most skilled um, laborers to... <clears throat> to weld those pressurized tanks because if yeah. one weld isn't perfect, boom, compre- pressurized gas is exploding. So, I witnessed that. Mm-hmm. I worked in an oil refinery and the guys that welded on those tanks and they were some guys that messed up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it cost, honestly, it cost them their life. I remember it. it I'm not going to say it because I don't want it to get out, but I remember it. I was, and when they started and it blew up, it sh- the ground, mm-hmm. and uh, it was two brothers from Texas. Yeah. And uh, 
underwater welding. My wife's dad did that. That's pretty cool. That's really cool, actually. Very dangerous. Though. Oh, yeah. Very dangerous. Well, not as... That it's, seems... Yeah, it's, it's, it's only as dangerous as you let it be. Um, if you get your oxygen... If your oxygen tank has a leak, then it can... The torch can get sucked up back into the, your oxygen tank. That's the only... Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the only dangerous part oh, of it, yeah. really. Or if you're... Um, the cold temperatures, um, that's dangerous. And then the... Um, Stuff like that, where it's like your air supply getting low, not paying attention to it. But then again, you're not really diving that deep to do an underwater. Sure, yeah, you just to the bottom surface or, or whatever surface you're. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to get my HVAC license. That's what I'm trying to do. That's a trade. Yeah. yeah. That's wise. Even if you don't use it at this point in your life, it's just wise. Yeah, it's on the fall back home. And and here's the thing. I'm 35, and I can say that's wise. You know why I can say that's wise? Because I didn't do it, and I wish I would have done something like that. Yeah, you, it's better to be doing it and then being here and saying, I wish I would have. Yeah. You know. Well, it's actually easier to get a license whenever you don't know that much about it. So, like, it's easier for an apprentice to take his master license for electrical than it is for a guy who's been doing electrical for 25 years. Because you're learned, you've learned so much your way, and this textbook says no, it's no average voltage, ohms, resistance, all that kind of stuff. And but this guy who's been running wire for 25 years says no, 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 no. I that know that's the right way. But this is the way that works. But this is the best way. <laughs> so framers and engineers, mortal enemies. That's kind of terrifying. I can see that. Because here, you know what I thought, like surgeons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do they do their way, you know? Oh, sure. Like, if you, you know, yeah, you, you if you're working it. on a truck and mechanic, you run this wire over here and do this blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can, but you can, it's 100% certain, you know, you can take three orthopedic surgeons and make them all do a knee replacement and they all do it different Let's just hook this over here and all here. Yeah. Yeah. Bruh. I just want to try But then again, the textbooks also are wrong. Most of the time. So, like, structural engineers, they have their degree. Cool. But that degree ain't worth a hill of beans to me. Because I've seen architects, I've seen structural engineers, I've seen civil engineers, all of them. They don't know nothing unless they put hammer to nail. And unless they have been framing houses. And then when they drop these planes and they say, this is how this works. Okay, bud. I was a part of a project that they... They had 136 revisions to the blueprints before the project started. And they still, but when I was there, they made 70 more revisions through the framing process. They don't know. They don't, there's no way for them to know because all they've learned about construction is in a classroom. You can't learn construction in a classroom. Yeah. You just can't. So you're just saying it's better on when they... Get on hands experience. And that's the best yeah, experience. For sure. Question, question. Oh, yeah, I learned all of that. Would y'all say that about ministry, too? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. But you also, you can't, you can't ignore scholastic teaching. Exactly. For ministry, you can't. Because there's things that, if you, if your entire ministry is in Arkansas, and all you've learned is going to church, and you read your Bible, and that's it. Mm-hmm. 
there are some things that people have been doing their entire life in Italy and Rome and like um, apologetics, hermeneutics. You have people from uh, <clears throat> Aristotle and Plato. Most of the apologetics have been tied back to the original um, Aristotle's original teachings. They have been founded in principle of what philosophy of that came from Platonic dialogues. And so it's like you can't just ignore the written history of yeah. a lot of things. You know, I was uh, I saw something today. I was I I was I listened to this preacher named Kevin Wallace and mm -hmm. you know, it's I was you know thinking like like new Christians today. You know, he was he was preaching on tithes and offering, offering, offering. My bad. Sorry, my bad. But anyway, you know. You know, he made a good point. He said, people think when you do that, do they, do they really know why they do that? Do what is that? Giving? Giving and the blessing. And, you know, and I feel like some people, and I wonder, like, I do, why do, like, for young Christians, you think when you get in ministry-wise, like, do they just do it because everybody else does it? Or they just do it because... They feel like they got to do like one day they say it's a law to give tithe and offering, but did that um his sermon, he made a good point. He said, I I may I'm paraphrasing. He said the reason why you do it because yeah. to give because it's your connection to him and the offering is because you know that God will do it at the end. You know, for me giving. And this is a new development for me. That's you know that's something that I've always struggled with in you know in my pursuit of Christ is giving, you know. And I, I think it's just because human nature is selfish, mm -hmm. you know. And you're like I don't I worked really hard for that money. I don't want to give it away. But something I, yeah. But something I've come to understand in my mind is just like I've started looking at it as a privilege to give back. It's uh, it's not even, you know, I don't even do it for a blessing. I don't do it, you know, because everybody yeah. else is doing it. I don't want to be part of the status quo. But I just feel like, I, I don't know if my, aunt, my prayers were answered because I prayed about giving and mm. having the faith to step out, even yeah. when you know, necessarily your light bill might not get made or uh, whatever. But in different scenarios, but I think that the Lord has contended with me and helped me to visualize giving as a privilege because without him giving it to me first, I wouldn't have it to begin with. Right. So. And from pastor's perspective, people people can take the Bible and and believe believe the whole thing, and they struggle in that part. Mm -hmm. And it's in the Word, but they can take healing and get it. I believe it. I receive it. I want it. Giving, and that's why I say this on Sundays, giving is the most authentic one of, not the most, one of the most authentic forms of worship. Mm -hmm. You've got to view giving as worship. Mm -hmm. um, and and there's, there's, a, there's, a two, there's two areas to it. Uh, first of all, tithing is not giving. Tithing is returning. Right. It returns. Mm -hmm. And then... People say, well, you're saying if I don't tithe, I will be cursed. That's not what the Scripture says. If you don't tithe, your money will be cursed. Your seed 
will be cursed. It won't yield what it's supposed to yield. There are people that, and I'm not advocate. You know, I'm not trying to get in that debate. I'm just saying, um, tithing is not giving; it's returning, yeah. and it's a covenant. Right. It's 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 a covenant. Right. It says, return what is mine, and I'll bless your seed. Right. And in that context, it was literal. Yeah. It was a literal context of your seed. And and now here now here's this too. What are you talking? A lot of in that con, in the Bible talking about it was food, mm-hmm. right? But we we tithe, and to to tithe is is just about covenant. Giving is or tithing is about returning. Giving is where the 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 overflow comes from. Mm-hmm. The overflow blessing. And 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 Kevin, you're right to say you struggle with that because if truth, what I have seen in my generation younger is that there is a struggle not in all circles some people just get it and got it they believe it they have no problem with it um they struggle with giving and and if i can say it like this as a person who struggled with it as well um it doesn't start at your pocketbook giving doesn't start in your wallet Mm -hmm. giving starts at the altar yes and when you give yourself over to God, as Romans says, 12.1, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your resource. You're saying to God, I die out to my desires and everything I have is yours. I, I am a person who doesn't believe in just throwing money everywhere. All right? Here's what I've learned that book right there that Caleb's holding, that's the Bible. It's a book full of principles. It's a book full of seed. The Bible says, don't be deceived. Whatsoever man soweth, he shall reap. So you've got to understand, everything is seed. My words, if I speak pleasant, I sow, I sow joy, I sow peace, I, I receive it. If I'm kind, I sow that. Everything's a seed. So when you view that, then I realize money's a seed. And so I return my tithe, but I have a seed, an offering. And a lot of, a lot of people feel guilted into doing this. And I, if, if you're guilted into giving, it may not work for you, right? You've got to have a heart that says everything I, I have belongs to God. And here's where people struggle. And I know you've probably heard this parallel before. If God lays it on your heart, because this is how it normally happens to me, give that to give that two hundred dollars to this cause. We we will start this dialogue with God. Like, well, man, uh, that's my last two hundred dollars. But when we go to the fair, yeah, and bef- and you don't even count the cost, uh, or go to the skate office, skate office, there's this whatever. What comes straight to my mind? You throw it out there, and then you realize, dude, I just spent two hundred bucks. Oh well, you know, it's just it's just a heart posture. You're spending it. You're giving it. You're giving it. You're not living in this life without giving. Right. You you want to go out to eat at the at my favorite restaurant, Rancho? Come you're on. gonna give. You're going. You're going <laughs> no. to give. 
if you want to go see the Pittsburgh Steelers play, and I, you know, I'm not going to tell you, I went to Pittsburgh and paid some good money for some tickets. I gave. <laughs> That's a hundred. You see what I'm saying? Mark. So, so you're not going through life not giving, mm-hmm. right? It's just where our and I'm not and and our generation has struggled with it because I don't really know. I think for me, it was I didn't. You know, I don't. I grew up. You no, know, a lot. We talk about sacrifice, but like the generation before me grew up sacrificing and putting their putting it all in. We kind of grew up where it was a little bit more convenient, and we had everything we needed, comfortable. Um. But and I know I'm going a little long here, but I'm, and I apologize. Uh, but giving. Over the last several years of my life has become a real thing for me and Hannah as well because I want God to have every, I want him to have access. I don't just throw it around, but if if I'm, if I feel led, I, I try not to, I argue, but I try my best to surrender because when I, I can't reap it if I don't plant it. Right. And 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 I want to make sure I got seed in the ground. And I'm a testimony, and there's all of you in this room can testify. If you if you sow it, you may not get it today or tomorrow, but when you need it, it'll come yeah. back. You're striving for I mean, I'm a that's testimony right. of that. That's right. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's why it feels like a, a blessing in itself to me that. Uh, through conversation with Christ that he's allowed me to have a shift in my mindset and see, you know, giving and tithing. You know, not only giving back what was given to me, but giving in excess mm-hmm. of what I don't have, you know, as a, as a privilege, as an opportunity. Yeah, right. Um, That's good. Opportunity. Yeah. Tithing needs to be a habit. Um, it's, it's returning what's already God's. Um, and like he had said earlier, um, but tithing back in the Bible days was literal bringing your first fruits, the first bit of your harvest that you've received from God, bring it to the storehouse so that the priest and the higher-up officials can eat from the church. So your first fruits are sustaining the church, yeah. basically. And But now the argument I had somebody with the other day, actually, it was about... Um, first fruits and how in biblical times it was fruit. So if I have a garden and my first bit of the harvest, can I take it to the church and then accept it? I said, depends on your church. Yeah. If your pastor's about money, and it's, I'm not going to take that, but if he'll take it, you're bringing your first fruits. Yeah. So, uh, it's, sure. but it's also about a matter of the heart. Is that your harvest? Is that a sacrifice? Are are you returning what God blessed you with, or are you being deceitful? Right. Yeah. And so everything to me is a matter of the heart. That's exactly right. And intentional. That's the whole thing. It's your heart. It's, look, I got God. You go on, you see that all the way back to Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. Both of them sacrificed. But but the Bible says, but but Abel offered up a more excellent sacrifice because it came, it was pure. Mm -hmm. All right. It, It had, you know, Abraham. Why did God choose Abraham? What did Abraham just offered? And he obeyed. He struggled. 
you start reading the life of Abraham, I, I've been studying him, man. That man failed a lot yeah. uh, in some crazy blunders. <clears throat> but he had a heart that was God's, and he withheld nothing. Yeah. And um, I'm learning that that's not easy. That's not a, I'm not saying I have attained you know what Paul said. Paul said over there, I count not myself to have apprehended. Mm-hmm. I don't speak from a place of apprehending. I speak of a place where I'm trying to get to. Mm-hmm. It's not easy. No, it's not. It, it's challenging. <clears throat> it's fearful. It is. It's fear in a in a non bad fear type of way. Like yeah. it's kind of like, man, God, if you don't work, yeah, if you don't work. It's not good. I've put, I've in, I've given all. Now I'm out here. Yeah. But here's the here's the truth. He never fails. Right. Mm-hmm. He never fails. I want. Can I tell y'all just a quick testimony on that? Yeah. Just recently, Hannah and I we uh, we gave in a place, <clears throat> and 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 here's how I do it. Sometimes I filter it through my wife. Mm-hmm. So I'm standing at a service, and the Lord speaks to me. Or I, let me rephrase that, because I, I want to be cautious when I say that. I was inspired. I, I didn't hear a voice or some kind of do this type thing. You know. Need your money go. No, no, it was inspired. I, I don't want to just throw that out. God, frivolously, God spoke to me. I, 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 felt, I felt led, inspired, whatever and it wasn't because they were up there asking for it. In fact, it wasn't even during the offering time. I felt inspired to give uh, a certain amount. And I knew if I did that, it was going to move some things around for us. And for like 20 minutes, I didn't say nothing to Hannah. I was just like, I really want to do this, God, but it's got to be, it's either going to be good or it's going to be bad. And I leaned over and told her, and she was like, I feel that too. So we did it. And I knew I had, and I'm not encouraging, I'm not trying to, anybody that hears this, you got to take your own faith journey, okay? So we um, we had something coming up that had to be paid. And she was like, what are we going to do? I said, when we need it, God will supply it. Because we, with a pure heart, we sowed that seed. And we said it when we sowed it. Lord, we sowed this. The day before, the day before that we had to, we had that, what I gave, we had set aside to take care of this obligation. The day before, someone walked up to me, put it in my hand, and it was enough to take care of our obligation and some left over. If 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 the word don't work, how do you explain that? Because mm-hmm. nobody in this in eight billion people in the world, only two people knew what was due and what we were doing. How does that work? It don't. It's God. That's the right. Math math is. Is. <laughs> yeah, right. That's good. The math ain't mathing, bro. <laughs> it's posturing your heart, man. But that's that's like the common theme in the Bible, though. For everybody that's on a journey with God, He puts them through the ringer. 
<laughs> he just put him. He puts him in positions to faith and trust. Uh, so, like, you, if <clears throat> Abraham and Isaac, uh, Lot and his wife, uh, who, who else? Uh, Job. That's a big one. Joseph. Joseph. Mary. Mary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every single. Every Jesus. Single yeah. <laughs> 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 it's it's a constant. You have no way forward unless you give it to me. If you keep your hand on it, it's going to go south quick. Yeah, and 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 the, the and and here's what I want to say for anybody. I don't ever want to make anybody feel guilted, pressured into taking steps that they're not ready to take. But I want to encourage people to test and and you got to you know I don't go to the gym. It's obvious. Mm. I don't work out much, but uh, if you don't work a muscle, you know that's that's how it grows, mm. and so faith is that way, it's, you know, and and faith has to be mingled with everything you're giving on it. So you have to work it. You have to you know, increments. Mm. Take a step. Try. Try God and see. Right. And here's what I love about God. He's so patient. Right. You go back to Abraham. He tells him to leave what's familiar. And he's going to give him a son. And he's going to give him a nation. And it's at least, from my calculations of reading, and I may be wrong, it's at least 25 years before Abraham is at Moriah. And so it takes 25 years for God to make this statement. Now I know Abraham. Now I know your heart, because you've not withheld your son from me. So it took Abraham 25 years, Mm -hmm. at least. He's patient. You don't have Mm -hmm. to be there. You just have to be postured. Somebody said that a while ago. That may be Kevin or Caleb. You have to just be postured with a heart that says, I'm after God. Mm -hmm. And I may not be where Caleb is or Kevin is. Chad is, but I'm 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 on my way. God God will work with that. Yep. But I know so many people that are so gun shy about giving their money to a church that have been they've been hurt by it. You know, they see they're living paycheck to paycheck. They're giving they're giving with us a sacrifice every single service. It's I'll give you my tithe and I'll put a little extra in the offering plate, and then they see the pastor leaving a Cadillac. Oh, I'm struggling. Yeah. And, oh. <clears throat> I think but, that's where some of the, and I want to talk lightly on this because mm-hmm. I don't, no, but I, I think that's yeah. where, I, I think that's where some of the, a be, that's a bad word. Frustration. Mis- yeah, mishandling. The, the frustration. Church and not God. I mean, yeah. I don't want to say that and be, you know, too controversial. I mean, but I really think that that's just where man gets too much into your church, mm-hmm. and your, and the more man gets in your church, the further away from God you start to drift. That's right. Putting things in our own hands, and yeah, that's spirit led. But if you feel the need to give, give where you're led to give. Um, if like your sacrifice, you know, give your tithes to wherever you need to give your tithes to, but wherever you feel the as your sacrifice of offering, 
give it if you feel led to give it to St. Jude, give it to St. Jude. Yeah. If you feel led to give it to the homeless, give it to the homeless. I was seeing my wife stringing me up by my toes. I I always tell her, you know, that I've got a I've got a real big problem with giving money to the homeless and to the poor. Like I just I can I cannot not give it to them. Like when we're driving down the interstate we get stopped at the red light and there's a little old lady standing there and says, I'm a single mom with four kids, just fell on hard times, like I wanna give you every dollar I have in my wallet. But I gotta get to where I'm going, you know. Mm -hmm. And it always brings back to mind for me, you know, where the Bible tells us that you give to the least of us. I know that I know that, that typically you know, it's talking about children and young people, but it's also talking about, you know, the less fortunate. And uh, I just, I've always got it in the back of my mind that, you know, I'm not doing this for blessing, but I know that if I give this to mm -hmm. a homeless person yeah, out of a pure heart, what, whether they use it for drugs or they mm -hmm. use it for food or they use it for what their little sign says they're going to use it for, that doesn't have any, anything that doesn't have anything to do with the posture that I'm giving it out of. Right. And I always believed that, that God has a blessing for you somewhere down the line for that. And, and I think that's where the the giving for me, that's how I had a breakthrough in my mind. It's just that I no longer, I don't care if I get blessed anymore for giving right. this away. You know, I mean, will I enjoy the blessings of God if he gives them to me? Will I, you know, take full advantage of that and utilize it according to the way that he wants me to? Absolutely. But if I didn't get anything back except for the fact that I can rest assured that by giving to the less fortunate or by giving back to God that I'm pleasing Him, then that's a privilege for me. That makes me feel better because I'm doing not what I'm supposed to do, but what I get to do. That's I'm right. allowed to give this back to you. I'm fortunate enough that I'm able to give this back. And will it make my life hard sometimes? Absolutely. Um, but I believe that he, you know, just like the you know, the Bible tells us that God is, sticks closer to you than a brother. So mm -hmm. even though giving this back to you is going to be difficult for me, I know that you've got a plan further down the line Amen. to help me with this. Yeah, and that that's work. That's the posture. That's the good, right posture. It's about worship. It's it's about <clears throat> you know. You talk about the least of those. That's what he was. He was actually talking about. I was in prison, and you didn't visit me. I was naked. And you didn't clothe me. Uh, I was thirsty, and you didn't give me drink. I was hungry, and you didn't give me food. And he's talking about that, and they say, "Well, where did we fail in this? You know, where did we fail?" He said, well, "If you if you didn't if you've done that to those people in need, that is me. You've done it as uh, that you've done that to me. You know, and I struggle with you know struggle with that too. You know, just seeing somebody because you think I'm going to give them this, and they're going to go buy." Whatever, mm -hmm. you know, but it's kind of like, and I'm not saying you, you know, you know when somebody's. Yeah, you don't be frivolous with your giving. But it's kind of like forgiveness. Like it's it's really not about forgiveness. Is not about the person you're forgiving. When you forgive somebody, it's free in you. Mm -hmm. So and it, I I kind of take that same approach with with that type of giving. It it has. Uh, what they do with it has nothing to do. Has with nothing to do with me. Yeah, my heart is. I'm trying to. I'm honoring God. Yeah. By obeying. Yeah. And again, I'm not saying that means go out and 
find a homeless person and, and just give them all your money. But really, there are people out there who, who don't want to be, but are because there are people who can't. They just can't. Mm-hmm. They, whatever their story well, I mean, is. Yeah, there's all sorts of circumstances. Like, what about the, uh, the people that had to evacuate after Hurricane Katrina? Mm-hmm. They're homeless. Some they probably no still haven't recovered. Yeah. They still haven't recovered. How do you? How do I know? Okay, I, I know I'm reaching here, so y'all just forgive me. But how do I know that if a person standing outside, you know, holding up a sign says "victim of what was this latest hurricane that came through"? You know, victim of Hurricane so and so. I'm on vacation in Florida. You know, in Florida, somebody got hit, right? And they're homeless. They say "victim of so and so and so and so," and just need a little bit of something to get through. How do I know that they're lying? You know, yeah. they could be very well telling yeah. the truth. You know, and in in reality, we can use that scenario. You're on vacation in Florida, right? You're already living, doing something lavish, something mm-hmm. outside of you know the status quo. Mm-hmm. So, what is this ten dollars really going to matter when I'm already planning on having a five or six hundred dollar yeah. vacation? Right. You know, did I ever tell you the story about? Uh, <clears throat> Pastor Hall <coughs> and had the snowy day I don't think where so. he had a homeless guy show up his porch. No. <laughs> so there's this guy, uh, Pastor Hall. I can't remember his first name. <clears throat> but he pastored a church, I think somewhere in Alabama. And one of the few snow days that we, that Alabama has, <clears throat> he pulls up at his church. At it, he lived in a parsonage attached to the church. Um, and he walks in and he, he passes a homeless guy walking in the front door. Oh, Lord. This is going to be a rough night. Yes. Hey, buddy, how are you? You know, casual greeting. I'm doing all right. It's just a little cold. Um, I won't I won't bother you. Yes. Pastor Hall says, no, no, it's all right, buddy. Come on in. Uh, do you want something to eat? We'll get you something hot to eat. And we'll wash your clothes. Okay, <clears throat> thank you, buddy. You don't really have to do that, but but thank you. Um, so he gets in and get him inside, get him warmed up, give him some some food. He says, "Here, give me the clothes in your bag. Um, put the clothes on in your bag. I'll um, and I'll wash the clothes you have on. Then you can put those clothes back on, and I'll wash the clothes in your bag." Says, That's gonna take a minute. Are you sure? He's like, "Yeah, man, it's fine. Well, eat." Have a good and warm up, and then if you feel like leaving, you can leave. If not, you can stay. He said, "Okay, uh, well, thank you, I appreciate it." And so they're sitting down having dinner, and homeless guy looks up at Pastor Hall. He says, "Pastor Hall, I, I talked to God, and He says He's really proud of what, the work you're doing here, and He really hopes you don't uh, give up the fight." It's like, oh, typical homeless guy. Yeah. You talk to God, huh? All right. <laughs> and he just brushes it off. Says, "You know, well." Well, I'm glad you talked to God. I'm, I'm glad you pray. And they just move on, conversation, keep it going. His clothes get done. They swap them over. Guess starts washing the other set of clothes. Says, no, Brother Hall, I, I, I don't think you understood me, really. But I, I, I talked to God. I know Him well. And he said, <clears throat> Okay, buddy. Sure. All right. And they keep on you know, conversating. And then his clothes get done. He says, well, your clothes are all done. If you want to stay, I'll get a bed made up. If not, you can head on your way. Um, he says, I think I'll head out. Um, thank you for all your hospitality. 
and they start walking towards the door. And he says, Brother Hall, um, I just want to tell you, I know you're brushing me off. It's all right. It's kind of far-fetched. But I know the God you talk to. I know the God you preach about. I know him personally. And he said, told me to tell you, please, don't give the fight. And he's proud of you. What you're doing here is right. Yes. Okay, bud. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm going to bed. Guy walks out of the front door. It's full on blizzard outside. Alright man, thank you, appreciate you. Closes the door. After he closes the door, some just don't feel right. It's a little off in here. And it clicks. Opens the front door. Not one footstep in the snow. Oh. <laughs> that man had been sitting down having dinner with an angel. Yeah. Man. <laughs> but that just reminded me of that story because all those angels posed as homeless people. That's often. And seeing if they'll give. It's about... Why Why does that so often? Angels... Well, you see the scripture. You know the scripture says, be careful mm -hmm. that you entertain angels unaware. Yeah. That... Have you ever experienced that personally? Personally, no. But I've heard stories. Some type of stories. I've, I've heard... Stories. I've never experienced that. I don't think. I don't know. Be honest. I, I just hope... Exactly. You entertain them unaware. If I did... I... Th well... If there is a such thing as angel possession, I believe it. Because I know one person that I believe she is one entirely possessed by an angel. Andrew Flowers' mother. Donna Flowers, that woman right there is a saint in and of itself. I would take a bullet for her in a heartbeat. I would push a lot of folks in front of a train for that woman. <laughs> for real, she is such a sweetheart. She's so kind-hearted and loving and generous and just, just you know, Betty Crocker. Betty Crocker, you know, everything you envision about Betty Crocker in a person, that's her in real life. But <laughs> I don't know if I've ever... I, I remember... Uh, my grandpa pastored a church in Olive Branch, and we we were going. The church was going through a, you know, their seasons, mm. and uh, on a Wednesday night, I'll never forget this. Wednesday night, it's typical Wednesday night church. You know, it's tired. Everybody's worked all day. It's in the summertime, so it was still daylight outside, and the service is starting. And uh, back then, they didn't do church like we do now. You know, it really wasn't... I mean, we don't do necessarily, necessarily scripted church, but we it's have a plan, you know. Uh, back then, it was just like, hey, who wants to sing? Or you want to mm -hmm. sing? You want to do whatever? Mm -hmm. And uh, so they're singing, and the do back door... There was no foyer in this little church, and so the back door opens, and this gentleman comes in, and he had on red pants, red suit pants, that's all I remember. He had on red suit pants and he was bald. <laughs> but he was deck I mean he was sharp, you know. And, and he smiled. He just was so happy. And it's like Wednesday night in the middle of the summer. Everybody's working hard. It's one of those tired. This dude walks in, he's super happy. And uh find out he's a minister or whatever. And Pop my grandpa just was a very open minded person. He was like, sir, come testify. 
and he gets up and he just gets up there and he, by the time he was done people were laughing uh, joyful you know and after the service me my dad mom uh, this was before Caleb you were born this was at the church on Goodman Road we are standing out there the guy's talking to us he's shaking our hands it's just us there <clears throat> And he starts to walk to his car, and he turns around, and he says, Hey, and we turn around, and he says, Tonight I was the angel sent to your church. And he got in his car and drove off. Pop pastor there for 16 years, I believe it was. Never seen that individual ever again. No, So there was no Facebook or connectivity that way back then, so you just couldn't look him up, but... Never again. So that, you know, I don't know if he was just saying. It's a lot funner to think. You know, yeah. saying like I was the, yeah. not real, you know, I was the one sent tonight on purpose. To, or was he really? Yeah. It's a lot funner to think he was. <coughs> Excuse me. But, uh. Al. <laughs> his name was Al? Oh, that hurt. Oh, my bad. It's okay. Sorry. It's not okay. We're, I'm going to cry. Uh. Man, I don't know. It's a whole lot of fun. And here, here's another reason. I would, if I, if I were going to see an angel, I would much rather him look like, you know, like he walked up in street clothes. Because I can adapt to that versus walking in a room and seeing some... Transfigurations? Yeah. Well, I mean, we pray to see it, but what are we? Right. Well, like, I mean, don't sneak up on me, please. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you think about also, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you. I would rather, you know, walk up to someone that is dressed in plain clothes like we are than to walk into, you know, a room and there is this, like, holy night. No, dude. Angel. No, dude. Because, <laughs> Show me that. That is because, you know, you think about uh, Joseph. You know, like, or people in the Old Testament, when they encountered angels, like when they saw them, even though they weren't God, they fell just, in they fear. Just yeah. Fell in fear on their Paul. face. Like, yeah, froze. Paul, blinded. Yeah. Show me that, but sh like, like start at a distance and kind of come into focus. No, but like, don't just pop up in the Pop up right in front of me. I don't, want to, I don't want to be asleep and open my eyes and standing at the foot of my bed. Oh, no, do me that way because I don't want to have no second guessing. <laughs> I don't want to be like, well, you know, like at Brother Hall's story, you know, where it's like, oh, no footprints there. Oh, could it be? No, I won't. Dude, listen to what I just saw. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, okay, well, um, Parkwood is right on the middle of the road. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't no. want to open my eyes and see an angel at the foot of my bed and be like, well, I'm cool with this seeing is the it. second time I saw you, except we're but in the pearlies now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I just need you to ease me into it. No, Listen, not me. Like, <laughs> swimming pool. You, you guys, you right. grew up in the church world like I uh -huh. did. Yeah. Super, supernatural. Uh-huh. Right. And man, we used to have we used to have men's prayer on Tuesday night, and we had some guys in our church that was seeing some stuff. Mm -hmm. you know, whether they was seeing it or not, they would, and I would go home and be like, 
please, like, if you're going to show up, kind of... Yeah. Give me a warning. No. <laughs> I, brother Henry Hank Cook. That dude right there, I don't know if you know him or not. I know But Lee Cook's dad. That man right there, I'm telling you, there was something about his eyes. He could see the supernatural, for sure. He had a gift of discernment. And I'm telling you, it looked like he was peering directly into your soul. Oh God. I'm telling you, for just, real. If there was anything in you that you was trying that you need to repent, repent back to God, <laughs> mm-hmm. no, it's you. Immediately, as soon as you look him in the face, look. Ain't no hiding here. Yes. I'm telling you, for real. This dude was awesome, and I have never like, I ain't never fell out in the spirit before. That, that just has never been something that I've been experienced. I don't, I'm not saying I don't believe in it. I'm not saying I don't, it's not real, but it's just never something that happened to me. This dude right here, one day, I'm kind of in and out, you know, wanting to hang out. I'm 18 years old. I'm wanting to hang out with my friends, do dumb stuff, and also be part of the church because I feel guilty when I'm not, you know. <clears throat> so I'm getting back and forth, back and forth. And then one day, he says, son, it's time to get committed. It's time to put it away. And I said, all right. Yes, sir. And he says, are you ready? I said, ready as I'm ever going to be. This dude put his hand on my forehead, and I swear, as long as, as, as I put it on the Bible, I blacked out that fast. Boom. Uh. I came back to, I came back to about a minute and a half later, and I'm looking at Hank, Covered in sweat. What just happened? And he's just looking at me with this big cheesy grin. Just <laughs> all right. You were overshadowed. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you. I'm That's so how my sad. first experience with the Holy Ghost was. You know, uh, before I got married to my wife, uh, I went to Baptist church, and I was kind of in and out and in and out of Baptist church. I never had any exposure, any knowledge, never spoke to mm-hmm. anybody that went to Pentecostal church. I didn't know that was a thing. Like I, I was just just new Southern Baptist. I've been raised Southern Baptist. And my now whole look at life. you. Exactly. My wife, we take this trip to Alabama and uh, Sweet home. And she was telling me, she was like, Hey, I just want you to know that the kind of church we're going to is like nothing you've ever been to before, Frank. Because we went to a, a revival. That's a bad place to go to the first time. That's the best way to break you in. On top of going to a Pentecostal church, we went to a Pentecostal revival. And so I get I get there, and you know, and everything seems calm enough, you know, starting out. You know, you know, they get in there and they're singing a little bit and they're doing their thing and. You get some folks to get up front and lift their hands and sing. And I was like, that's kind of weird. Go back to your seat, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so finally Brittany was like, okay, so you ready to go up front? And I was like, no, why am I going up front? And she was like, well, I, you know, you should go up there and get prayer. I was like, okay, well, then we can go up there and get prayer. You know, whatever. And so we walk up front. I mean, you guys can look look him up. The the pastor's name is Bill Easter. He's uh, um, he was in the Brownsville revival. Yeah, and so he uh, he was preaching, and uh, he said, uh, "It's all right, son. Do you want, do you have anything you want to pray for?" I was like, "Yeah. Well, honestly, my wife and I have been having a really hard time in our marriage. You know, we kind of fight a lot. We've had a little bit of disconnect." He said, "Okay. Well, 
goes, I'm going to put my hands on your on your head and we're going to pray about it. I was like, okay, you know, just don't hurt me. Yeah. And so, I mean, and, and that's the last thing I remember because I was standing down there. He says, all right, well, he said, when I put my hands on you, you're going to feel something. And you're going to feel like a release. You're going to feel like, mm. you know, all of that anger that you've got pent up, all of that aggression is just going to melt away. And I was like, yeah, all right, buddy, you know, give it your best shot. Mm-hmm. And he put his hand on my head, and that's that's the last thing I remember. I woke up laying on the floor, mm-hmm. and and I kind of sat up, and I look around, and by that time, there's four or five other people laying on the floor. I was like, did we just step into a sleepover? Like, oh, yeah. And I looked at my wife, and I was like, where's the roofies? <laughs> <laughs> Did they put roofies in the communion? (laughs) (laughs) What happened? She said, you were just slain in the spirit. I was like, well, how long have I been laying here? She said, about eight minutes. I was like, Lord, have mercy. I feel like I just blinked. Oh, yeah. But when you said, said, don't hurt me, reminded me of a guy, (laughs) of uh, this evangelist we had that used to go to church with, that would come to the church. His name was Mike Tyson. And he lived up to his name. Oh, wow. When he would, when people would come to the altar, he'd bring it on back from downtown. He'd rear on back for you. And when he'd come through, if you wasn't getting slain in the spirit, you was getting slain by Mike. Mike He would put it on you. Bam! Mm. (laughs) He hit my brother so hard, I started crying. I thought he hurt him for real. But I was like four years old, you know. And so I was really concerned for him. But <laughs> I find it more. I remember the first time when I got the spirit. Mm-hmm. I, I was young. I was 13. But, you know, I, I was raised up. I wasn't like, I wasn't raised up as deep as my brother was. And, you know, and I got, I'm not saying nothing bad about like what people believe, but I was raised in an era where if you didn't do certain things, you were going to hell. Oh yeah. And oh, like sure I did. said, like I said, I wasn't in it full in, but I remember bits and pizzas, bits and pizzas, bits and pizzas. pizzas. <laughs> I'm already hungry, man. <laughs> you can't be talking about bits and pizzas, pizza bagels, all bagel oh, bites. Man. But then you stop with the food references. Right? Oh, KFC. But, but anyway, but um, I remember my dad and my parents, you know. I he always always ask him, Mama, why can't Dad? Why can't I not wear shorts? Yeah. Why can't I not? Because I never go to school and I never look like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And that really had an effect on me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Caleb's walking around in school and his corduroys. I'm sure everybody else. Is Let me tell you, I, I had that slick hair back with that gel. So <laughs> everybody call me Porcupine. <laughs> Oh man, dude, that relates so hard. Oh, um, it was Southern Pentecost. But, that's just part of it. When you get sweating, <laughs> when you get to go to church, where you get that gel in your yeah. hair, and all of a sudden the ground's so sticky God, because geez. you're sweating and you're sweating that gel out. <laughs> but that affected me for you know for a while, and I never took church seriously, you know, because you know I felt like I was in. I really felt like I was, you know, as a kid, you pretend I was in the army. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. in the army, go by the rules, stay by the rules, do this. Yeah. And there was a season in my family's life where we were in a transition. We was in a transition from like one place into this season, just like I said, confusion and like this. 
chaos. Mm-hmm. And I never knew it because, you, you know, you're young, your parents don't want you to know, but at the same time, you pick up on stuff. Mm-hmm. And we go, I'm, I remember the, well, he was my actual, I mean, what, we didn't consider them UPC, but I mean, but it was my first actual Pentecostal church with, mm-hmm. you know, with no, feel like, regulations and everything. And I remember sitting there, I'm not going to lie, how they just, I was looking around, and I felt like, wow, they don't do this? How they dress, you know, mm-hmm. it, it kind of freaked me out, being young and somewhat grown in that area, and it, you know, had an effect on life, but I'm, and I'm, we went to this church, and my family got restored, mm-hmm. but I didn't know what, I never experienced the Holy Spirit before, I never, mm-hmm. I was always felt like that was the Spirit, how I did things, if that makes sense, you know, when I was young. I'll be honest with you, the first time I got the Spirit, I was in a, I was 10 years old in a kid's, in a kid's church. Mm-hmm. One night we had um, our my children's pastor. I forgot the names, but it's been a while. But I, it was a kids kids revival. Mm-hmm. They called it. And I was sitting to my best friend. I looked over, and I'm out of all of the. I remember seeing three, four. We had like ten people in this room, and like I guess I didn't know what was going on. I saw this one. This dude just laid his hands on this one girl. And she fell out. I was like whoa. <laughs> Whoa! I said like, okay, and I, I really, I really think it was God that moved. I said like, I told him, look at my friend, look, I'm gonna get up there, you know, to see what happens. And I got up there, and I remember my whole, and this, they laid their hands on me, on my stomach and my head, and I remember my body just shaking, and it, like shaking, like I had like fear. Going like my body felt like my whole like was about to explode, and I really don't remember much. All I remember is this. I just remember this crying, and really it felt like a minute. But they said I was standing there for like ten minutes. It's like whoa. Yeah. Then and they said I wasn't. Remember that when they told they said my mom asked hey how did Caleb do, and they said Caleb almost got the spirit. But it was the this is the gospel. It was next that Sunday morning. My the pastor I, we was going to Pastor Chris Reno. I was thirteen. Uh, I'm not thirteen. I don't know how old I was. I was young. I remember him laying his hands on me, and what became like shaking became like release. Mm-hmm. I I felt like release of stuff out of because how I felt. Before what I've seen before to up to now this release and I was like wow and I ain't gonna lie maybe I was yeah, this, the first time I ever testified he said come over here he said Kayla can you testify what happened I was shaking to death in my boots I was like oh, oh my god I said I said with my squeaky voice at the time mm-hmm. uh <laughs> yes uh, you ain't gotta you ain't gotta do the voice but <laughs> <laughs> you right in my ear with that voice you good <laughs> I felt the wind. Amen. This has got to be such a culture shock for you, Kevin, because you know, I don't know. I've never. <clears throat> I've, I went to a Baptist church one time, and uh, 
that was a culture shock for me because I'm <clears throat> also, you know, growing up in a coastal, you think they ingrained it into you saying, you know, this is the truth. You believe we believe the truth. If you don't believe this and do what we say, you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. And I had to learn that out of myself um, with study and individual reading and, and interpretation of the scriptures that had been misconvoluted and misinterpreted and, and put in put in a different context than it should have been. But um, that was a different. That was a hard task for me to try to navigate all that situation. And so it was a culture shock for me whenever I first went in that, that service. And I'm like, this is a little weird. Mm-hmm. This is way tamer than services we go to. And I don't feel God like I did in, at, in my home church. Like, you guys are worshiping, but we are worshiping. <laughs> Yeah. No, I totally agree because, uh, and I don't mean this for anybody, for any of our listeners that hear this and are Baptist. I don't want you to think that we are in any way talking down on your perspective. Um, but it's just different. Yeah, or or uh, for anybody that may come across our podcast that lives locally uh, or goes to the church I'm about to, you know, discuss. Uh, I don't want you to feel offended or anything. You know. This the church made made my, made me you know who I am. They set the foundation for me. But I used to go to uh, Bellevue Baptist Church in oh, yeah. this huge oh yeah uh, church, and so I used to go there. Uh, I started going there uh, when Pastor Adrian Rogers was the pastor there. Uh, I only got to see him for maybe two or three years uh, before Pastor Steve Gaines took over. But that is by far like the tamest Baptist church I've ever been to, mm-hmm. and. My whole life, I thought that that's what, you know, that's all church was. I thought if I went to Baptist church or Methodist church or Pentecostal, well, I didn't even know what Pentecostal church was, but, you know, Baptist church, Methodist church, Lutheran church, I thought they were all, you know, they all they were all the same, you mm-hmm. know. And so after I started going to Pentecostal church and, and seeing, you know, the expression of worship and the expression of faith mm-hmm. and, and, and having somebody pray with me one-on-one, not just for my salvation, but for my needs. Mm-hmm. You know, I tried going back to, my wife's grandfather was a deacon at uh, Collierville First Baptist, and I tried going back there, and I just I just couldn't do it. I was like, you know, there's nothing wrong with going to this church, you know. I mean, you're still getting spirit, you're still getting fed the Word, you know, because they weren't, you know, they don't distort the Word. I, it's a wonderful church, but I was like, I just can't go back to sitting in my seat Mm-hmm. when I have the opportunity at the Pentecostal church I go to to walk down and and express my worship, express my gratitude at the altar. So I'm not saying that one way is better than the other. Yeah. You know, I don't want anybody to misinterpret <clears throat> that that hears us uh, because you know your your journey to to be with Christ and your journey at your pursuit of Christ is your own and however you go about doing it as long as you believe in the core three in my opinion mm-hmm. you know that you know God gave his only son to die for our sins that you know you, you know it's what is it, the ABCs you Have ask, believe and repent. confess mm-hmm. yeah as long as you repent of your sins and ask for forgiveness believe yeah. that Christ came and to die for us and then confess then you know, if that's what you're preaching, that's what your core three is at your church, then, you know, I can fit in just fine. Yeah. Uh, 
so I don't want that to be misinterpreted. I just yeah. And if, I you if you if you continue to walk in that, <clears throat> the more supernatural things if will come. You know, if you're seek seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Um, you know, if if you continue to walk in that, it'll it'll happen and more things will come come about. But man, if you can't shut your eyes to the supernatural though, <clears throat> because I know a guy, a buddy of mine, that we were really good friends, and then all of a sudden he just hit me with a. I was talking about this prophet that I know, and that's football. Uh, football. <laughs> <That's your> football. <laughs> I was like, what is that? So I asked. I was talking about this prophet that I know. And he's. He looked at me crazy. I'm like prophet. What are you talking about, prophet? And I said, Yeah, this prophet. He's like, Dude, prophets ain't real. Prophets were in the Bible times. And I said. Hold on now. What church do you go to? And I was like, I go to Church XYZ. I was like, are you serious, man? Your church teaches that prophets aren't a real thing anymore. I was like, man, what about miracles and signs and wonders and, and the Spirit of God moving in your church? He's like, miracles? I hadn't seen no miracles, but sure, maybe they could happen. Like, man, is your what do y'all do at church? Brother, you're going to the wrong place. What do you show me something? What do y'all do at church? I'm like, dude, what, let me tell you the things that I've seen. <laughs> let me tell you the stories of the generations that have grown up in church that I have been a part of. You know. Yeah, let me tell you about this woman that gets up out of a wheelchair and takes 20 yeah. steps when she's supposed to have both of her legs amputated, you know? like. And the lady with the, yeah. lady with the crane, has no, she had no crane Sunday. No, oh, she didn't bring a crane with her. She did not. <laughs> What are we called? It's a yeah, like she she ain't overweight. They had to lift her into the top of the building. That's a crane. <laughs> oh, like a crane kick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but man, sorry, that is so goofy to me. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna read the Bible, you have to believe that it's at some point in time, some partition into modern day America, right? In, in this world, dude, I. People will talk about witchcraft, but they'll say that miracles are an old-timey thing. Like, there was this guy. I know a guy that uh, he was, his parents were missionaries in Africa. And they were having this revival in Madagascar. And all of a sudden, they see a guy on top of the hill across from their tent. And he's floating. Crisscross applesauce, floating. Uh-huh. Right? He then floats down to the tent, down the hill, stops in front of the tent. Guy preaching says, y'all hold on. Walks over to the guy, floating, crisscross applesauce, nothing underneath him, no wires. He floated to the tent. He says, come out of him, demon. Falls down to the ground. Wakes up out of a daze. What just happened? Whoa. Whole church is like, what happened? And then revival continued. Mm -hmm. um, there, I've heard so many things. Like, there's a guy, <clears throat> Charles Pierce. He's a, he's a modern day prophet. There's no way he can know the things that he knows. There's no way. He said, my dad didn't tell him nothing about my brother. He was going through, he had his adenoids removed, and he had his white blood cell count was up, and they were, they were scared he had leukemia. 
and um, they go meet, and they didn't say nothing about it. Didn't nobody text him, blow his phone up, nothing. All of a sudden, Charles Pierce looking down the face of says, Craig, stop worrying about your boy. He's going to be all right. Wow. Hold on now. Did I hear you? Charles Pierce has been calling folks out for uh, over four decades. Mm. I'm telling you, <clears throat> that dude's a modern-day prophet. I, I like how you... I've heard my... My dad's been a tent revival one time. Mm-hmm. This gives me chill bones. I wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. My dad said my papa, who was a preacher at the time, they had a tent revival. And they, my, back then, they pull oil. Like they, mm-hmm. they just take the bottle cap and <laughs> ghost it on you. Like, <laughs> anoint you. Mm-hmm. And I feel, I'm not going to say, I just feel like sometimes you may, may have to do that sometimes. You, you may, may have to. You know, but Back to what I was saying, this man came up, and my dad was sitting, I'm not standing, not too far from him, and this, my papa laid hands on him, <coughs> touched him. Mm-hmm. This woman who, I, my dad, I don't forget her name, but my, I, if I'm paraphrasing, but the lady was uh, was well known in the church, and she said, Feel, I told my dad, feel his stomach. My dad put this his hand on this individual's stomach. He said, "He said it feels like snakes in this man's stomach. This moving around, he moving. Oh, mm. gives me chill bump because I don't like snakes as it is. I may be a big dude, but if a snake comes, I don't care. It's the size of my pinky. <laughs> I don't deal with snakes. When I saw snake skin under my boss's house, I about freaked out. Yeah." I don't, ooh, God. But that's just crazy about how, like, things possess you and feel like they're inside of you. Yeah. And this, he, my dad's stance to this day, he said, feels like I originally felt like snakes were riding around or something. In his stomach. Oh, God. That Uh, sounds wild. Yeah. Well, uh, Charles Pierce, the reason why my grandpa is pastoring a church right now is because of Charles Pierce. Um,. He's evangelizing in this church, um, and then my grandpa finally comes, and Charles Pierce just so happens to be a prophet and preaching this service that he comes to. He says, <clears throat> in the middle of the service, he looks at my grandpa says, you're living on borrowed time. He starts looking around. He said, no, you in a blue shirt. Yeah, I'm talking about you. You're living on borrowed time. If you don't get your act together, you're leaving this place. Yeah, right. He said, you don't believe me. Okay. You got a scar on your left knee in the shape of a cross from two different accidents. And my grandpa's so hairy, you can't even see it. You can't even see his scars at all. You can't hardly see his skin. Like, for real, he's a straight-up chimp in person. Um, and so my grandma didn't even know he had the scar. He said, you got two scars on your knee in the shape of a cross. And if you don't change your life, you're leaving this world. As soon as he said, you got that scar, he got up like a, a bolt, ran to the altar. It was funny. Was, he just had this uh, elastic band on his shirt real tight. And... <laughs> Oh, no. He threw his hands up in the air. 
his shirt was up around his chest. Oh, no. But he gave his life to God at that point. And then, I know now he's passionate church. So, yeah, prophets are real. Prophets are 100% real. Miracle signs and wonders are a real thing. And if you don't experience that, you are blinding yourself to it. Or those things aren't happening in your church, and they need to be. Um, I, I've always said the the spirit of God shows itself in form. So the spirit of God can't be somewhere and you not feel it or see it. It, it just won't happen. Yeah. Um, and so if miracle signs and wonders aren't happening in your church, something is going wrong. Mm-hmm. Some, There's something they're blocking it. There's mm-hmm. something in the way. Yeah. Because yeah. It, it can't be faith. Because if you have the faith inside of the mustard seed. You can talk to the mountain until the cast fails. But it, it's something has to be in the way. Either, you know, you're not seeking the supernatural, you're scared of it, you don't want it to actually happen, you're, you're praying in vain, uh, in vain speak. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's... I also think it's like, I'm not saying, I, like, I'm, I'm not a pastor, but I feel like it's also like the, your shepherd. What's your shepherd going to? Like, what direction is your shepherd directing his heart to? Right. Like we were saying on how you posture your heart. Mm-hmm. Like we if we ain't seeing signs, miracles, and wonders, mm-hmm. that's also like because the pastor will affect the church. I mean the people to mm-hmm. to posture their heart. You know? And if we haven't postured our heart towards him or does anything, I will I mean, I don't know, but like do you think that has to affect one of um, probably one of the major things that affect to see why people don't see him? Or, or churches don't see in Moses miracle signs and wonders. Mm-hmm. You think it's sometimes the shepherd's position, or is the people itself? Um, I would say that miracle signs and wonders come either <clears throat> gifted. So the gifts of the spirit are without repentance. Mm-hmm. So there are, you know, gifts of healing. Discernment, wisdom, all that kind of thing. Um, if you are gifted in that area, then it is not the obligation of your pastor and to, for you to work in. Um, but I would say that if if the church isn't prayed up and fasted up, then things like deliverance ministries mm-hmm. are going to be harder to come by. Um, it's going to be harder to bolster your faith enough to um, expect a miracle yeah. if prayer and fasting are part of it. Um, but I 100% agree that um, that your shepherd can block things. 100%. Because if, you, if somebody comes in there, come to your church and they need a miracle mm-hmm. and I feel like you're staring a hole in the side of my face. <laughs> Sorry. I just pay attention. Um, Sorry. But if they're coming expecting a miracle and your pastor isn't walking in faith, then, you know, it's kind of hard to work through that. But Yeah. Um, posture your heart. I know where my, my heart is postured. Towards KFC. KFC? Chick-fil-A. Oh, my God. Oh, I'm so hungry. 
That's not garage chicken, man. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. Somebody told me a joke the other day about Chick-fil-A, and you guys have probably heard it, but you guys know why they offer Listerine in Chick-fil-A's bathrooms? They say you can wash out your heathen mouth before you eat the Lord's chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I firmly believe that they need whoever's running Chick-fil-A to run for the president. Presidency. That's just a blessing, right? I'm not going to lie. That, that right there, I'm... That that company, Chick, I'm just to be honest, that is just a blessing. Because every time I go to Chick-fil-A, it takes me 30 minutes to get my food. And they're busy every day for me. Every time I go, they're always busy. 30 minutes? 30 I'm minutes. fast for, through a drive-thru? Mm-hmm. I, then every more. time I go, it's like... Everybody's on lunch break, then. It would take 30 minutes. I go at, like, at night. Man, I've been there, and I get my food in under 10 minutes, like. For sure, oh, for sure. And I'm not sitting waiting in a line either. No. I go, I do the mobile order every time. See, Even I'm if I'm going inside, I mobile order. I'm not that fancy. It's quick. Uh, for sure. Especially the one in Olive Branch, y'all. That one is like run on a system. They've got that I don't one know. science. It's just every time uh, I go, it feels like I wait for like 30 minutes. I feel like the Lord's telling me, Kale, you don't need my chicken. That's exactly right. <laughs> I was just about to say that. Like, if something's missing in my bag from Chick fil A, the Lord didn't want me to have that. <laughs> but the food's always on point. I'll get my food. <sighs> but the only choose. thing I will say for Chick fil A is they better be careful from lawsuit because by the time you get your food and you're excited to eat it, you take that first bite of that crispy chicken sandwich. And you burn every Shit. square inch of your mouth because it just, it just came out of the fryer. That's right. And so, yeah, you be, better be careful with that. Like, real careful with that. I'm telling you, I've burnt my mouth so many times on Chick-fil-A. Mm. <clears throat> you know what I've never burnt my mouth on? What? McDonald's. <laughs> I don't eat McDonald's. It's been sitting there for the last 20 minutes. It's <laughs> waiting on me. I don't eat McDonald's. I'm sorry. I will never eat it. I, dude, it's a it's a guilty pleasure of mine. Oh, a hot and spicy and a tin piece. Oh, and I, the McDonald's <laughs> fries are the best. I don't no, care what not. you I don't care what you say. I no. will I will die on this hill. McDonald's McDonald's fries McDonald's fries are the when they're hot and fresh and salted, they are the best fries on the planet Earth. But, Dude, I work but, there. I work but if they're not hot and, and if they are cold, <laughs> if they are cold and unsalted and old, they are the worst. <laughs> you can they quickly go from one end to the other. As a, look, as a former employee of McDonald's, 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 the Golden Arches, the only thing I trust there is their coffee. <laughs> don't you dare go on this podcast and ruin McDonald's for me. Don't you dare. Ruin it. I'm telling ruin you, but Taco Bell has ruined itself for me. I can tell y'all secrets. That's my guilty pleasure. I love Taco Dude, Bell. I can go to Taco Bell and get a Coke and have the runs. God. Have the runs for Jesus. Come on. I'm telling you, Taco Bell is so bad. But I appreciate Taco Bell for at least being honest about who they are. They never... <laughs> Ever claim to be meat. No. They don't say beef taco. Give me the meat taco. Give me the chicken substitute taco. You know, beef bean burrito. The refried and refried and refried beans. Yeah. Tar burrito. I've never eaten before. Lord, who got on food? Who you've never eaten? Hannibal Lecter? I have never been to Chipotle. I have. I haven't either. It's just an expensive Moe's. I don't like... I don't think I've ever been to Moe's. Welcome to Moe's! Yes, I have. Yes, I have. 
I know the catchphrase. Okay. <laughs> Salsaritas, Moe's, uh, Qdobo, something like that, Chipotle. It's all the same thing in different packaging. Chipotle is just a little more sleek on the outside. Mm-hmm. You guys ever have, uh, is it Swanky's Tacos? Swanky's? I've never been there. But used to be in South Carolina. Carolina. My stomach Apparently, Shake Shack has the best burger around here, but Tops is so good. It's not even the burgers, the hot barbecue sauce that does it. I will never eat Taco Bell before church. <laughs> Somebody does. Uh, Every Sunday. <laughs> I do say this. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you I finished Taco Bell before church every Sunday. And it's not me. It's somebody up on the stage, and I know who it be. No. <laughs> no. No, it can't be. Nuh-uh. How do you know? It's strange. <laughs> this individual. This individual. Blows it up every Sunday. We love them to death, but they and love them some Taco Bell. And we walk past it every Sunday. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm wondering. I thought it was somebody. I thought it was. Oh, there is. There is somebody in the stand in the audience. <laughs> oh. oh, I'm sure, but I'm a hundred and ten percent certain that this this particular individual is the one that's doing it. Oh my god! Yeah, they looked me dead in the face and said, "You going to the bathroom?" Like, they were panicked. Like, are you in the bathroom? Oh, my God. And uh, I said, no, you're good. And now you know. Jesus. Jesus, help us, Lord. Oh, Oh, man. Taco Bell in the morning? Really? We love you, unnamed individual. (laughs) This individual eats it Saturday, probably. Oh, man. And I've been there before. (laughs) No, it can't be Saturday. It don't last that long. It don't last till Sunday morning. It's Saturday. Feels like Sunday. No, no, sir, because you, you go to Taco Bell and they know it. You go to Taco Bell and you go to the re- go to the restroom through a strainer. That no, <laughs> you gotta you gotta eat Taco Bell on the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, crystals, crystals is just as bad if not worse. Oh, crystals. Yeah. I'm telling you, I have ruined many a pair of bridges on crystals. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm telling you. Oh, we're recording this. All right. Well, let's get out of here for yes. you. Anyway, I'm Chad. This is Kevin. This is Caleb. Adios.